Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 7. The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 7. We're continuing to go through this wonderful gospel record, this detailed account of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're still in the very early parts of the Lord's earthly ministry, we begin to see him working with the Pharisees and see the Pharisees being brought up time and time again. And every time they're brought up, they're always antagonistic towards the Lord Jesus Christ. We could see that he's called the disciples to himself, that he's trying to teach them how to follow after him and how to uh, prepare them to continue the ministry when he is gone. And as we come to the gospel record of Luke chapter number 7, we now get towards the end of it in the gospel record of Luke chapter 7, and we begin at verse number 36. The gospel record of Luke chapter 7 and verse number 36. Notice what the word of God says. The gospel record of Luke chapter 7 and verse number 36 and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of his, her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, Therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he whom he had forgiven most. And he had said, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sin, which are many, are forgiven, for she loveth much." But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. 
And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? He saith unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that Simon answers Jesus in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 7. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 7 and notice with me in verse number 43. The gospel record of Luke chapter 7 and verse 43. To whom he forgave most. To whom he forgave most. Most. And with the Lord's help, we want to see this idea, the principle of what Jesus Christ is teaching to whom he forgave most. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, I thank you for how you've already prepared our hearts and prepared this message in Sunday school. And now as we continue with the theme that you started this morning, that we can understand what does this mean? about serving and loving you in response to how much we've been forgiven. I'm asking that we would see your great grace in forgiving us and that we would respond back to you the way that we should. Help us to have discernment. Open up this passage. Now again, Lord, I recognize my own frailty, my own limitations, my own inability. So the best I know how, I ask that you forgive me of your... of just self-dependence, that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would get your own work accomplished even now. Thank you that we could trust you in these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Now as we introduce and come to this section here in the gospel record of Luke chapter 7, the first thing I want to show you is the introduction of two people. The introduction of two people. Now this biblical account contrasts two different people. One is a scornful Pharisee. The other one is a sinful woman. So here is two different uh, people. A scornful Pharisee, a sinful woman, and both of them are going to be compared. Now with this, we also have to give an introduction that Simon is a common name at this time in the New Testament. And there are nine different Simons listed here. And so don't try to uh, immediately uh, attribute this guy to another person in here. This is a different Simon that has been mentioned before or after. This is just a common name. But he is a Pharisee. The location of this event is in the city of Capernaum, Jesus' headquarters up in the Galilee region. And in here, we could also see, as we're introducing this and seeing the people, we could see that Simon, Simon here is a Pharisee. Now, no group of people have been consistently hostile towards Christ than the Pharisees. Luke, inside of the gospel record of Luke, mentions the Pharisees 28 times, and every time they are hostile towards Jesus Christ. Now, with this, we could have, here's a man who is a Pharisee who's hostile and invites Jesus to go to supper. Why in the world would Jesus go to supper with him? Well, the reason is, is because Jesus loves everyone. He even loved this Pharisee. The same love that brought Jesus from heaven to robe himself in flesh to a hostile world is also the same love that brought him to a hostile house. Notice if you don't mind as we see this introduction in verse number 36. And one of the Pharisees desired of him that he, Jesus, would come, <coughs> desired him that he would eat with him. And he went, he, Jesus, went into the Pharisee's house and sat down 
to meet. <laughs> so here's this Pharisee that invites him to a, a private apartment inside of a hostile uh, um, environment. Now, just to kind of get the scene, they eat at the table a little bit different than us. Today we have chairs that we sit upright and, you know, your feet down, elbows off the table. Now, in the Roman and Greek cultures, what they would do is they would have a table and then they would have what they would call a chair. It is actually like a laying lounge thing. So you would kind of lounge on one uh, arm and you lay down and have a, <coughs> and start eating <coughs> the food as you're just lounging around. Some of the teenagers said, that's an awesome idea. Can I get one of those? Different culture, different time. But that's how it was. Now, this is going to play into it when the woman comes to wash Jesus' feet. How in the world is she bending down? It's actually because he's lounging on a bed, on a couch to the side. And so she's going to not have to go so far down. His feet is already going to be laying out. So I want you to imagine this. That here, this man invites Jesus. Jesus knows he's a Pharisee. And Jesus already knows inside of his heart that he's hostile. But this guy invited him. The disciples are like, okay, if you want to go, don't you remember how they just got through yelling at you and hating at you? And you want to go to this guy? Sure. So Jesus comes in, comes into this man's house. The man already has food set aside. Jesus takes his place in the uh, seat that's set for him. And they're lounging around in a different message in the future. We'll talk about the seating arrangement and how, they, uh, how it's important where they sat. It's not important for this story, but the idea that they're lounging and they're sitting, getting an idea that it's a different culture, the way that they did things. And while he's sitting here making conversation with Simon, notice with me in verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now let's pause here. Let's describe these two contrasts. The Pharisees are super religious. They think they obey the laws. They're the one who has the corner in the market of being right with God. And so they look down their noses at everyone who was not just like them. And when Simon had invited Jesus, it was the idea that Simon had also brought his other pharisaical friends. He brought in everyone else who believed like him with the purpose that we could have Jesus in a private moment. We're going to expose him. We're going to show how awful he is. Now, on the contrast, here is a lady who is a sinner, meaning that she's living a sinful life. But at some point, she has come to the place where she realized who Jesus was. And she wants to honor him. Now, what happens is not an accident. It's called premeditation, meaning that she made plans she heard that this dinner was coming, heard that Jesus was the guest, knew the occupants, and she went anyways, knowing that every single one of them would despise her being. Could you imagine what faith it took? It wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. Hey, you know, if you go in there and the Pharisees catch you, they're, just, they're, they're not going to be friendly to you. I know. You know that if you go in there, the Pharisees are going to try to use you as an example. I know. If you go in there, the Pharisees are going to yell at you and your lifestyle and how you've lived and how you're not good enough and how you're not righteous. I know. You imagine how much faith and guts and bravery it took to go into a hostile environment for the purpose of worshiping the one who saved you. That's a lot of courage. 
a lot more courage than we have. We have a hard enough time just passing out a track in an environment that's neutral, not even hostile. Here's a lady who's willing to openly worship Christ in a hostile environment where she knows she's going to get made fun of, knowing that she's going to be pointed out, knowing that she's going to stick out, and she did it anyway. Now again, why? We're going to answer that throughout here, but why? We have to make this big deal. The Pharisees brought Jesus in so they could find something wrong with him. It's a hostile environment for Jesus. Anyone who wants to stick up for Jesus or worship Jesus is entering into a more hostile environment. She did not have to. She wanted to. She did not, uh, she did not have to. She chose to. She did not have to. She thought this is what was the best way to honor the Lord. And did it regardless of what others thought about her. Did it in regardless to what others may think about her. Did it in regardless to what others may say about her. I have to get to Jesus. I have to worship Jesus. I have to honor the one who saved my soul. She came because Jesus was there. It was not an impulse. It was planned. Verse number 38. <laughs> and stood at his feet. Now again, he's laying down. So it's not that she's stooping down. She, he's laying down. And so she gets to one end of the couch. <laughs> and she kneels down. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. Why is she crying? Is this a show? Is this just an idea that she's trying to put on and act? She's weeping because she realizes how much she's been forgiven. She realized all that God has done for her. And now she's standing between the one who gave her eternal life. And she's weeping because she knows how awful she was. But knew what a savior he was. These weren't fake tears. These weren't crocodile tears. These were real, genuine tears of thankfulness, of brokenness, of realizing what she was, realizing what he was. Realizing the contrast, those tears flowed down and began to drip on his feet. Notice what she did. As those tears began to flow, she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Now imagine that she cries and she weeps and then she takes her hair and she uses it to clean his feet off. And then she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment in front of a hostile crowd, in front of a crowd that's just staring at her. Can you imagine how everyone stopped talking? They're eating and they're, they're enjoying time and they're looking at Jesus. And this woman comes in. Where did she come from? Why didn't someone stop her? She comes in, just kneels down at Jesus' feet. Now they're all watching. By the way, she's from Capernaum. They're from Capernaum. They know about her lifestyle. They know what she is like. And we're just stunned. They watch her come in. Just silence. She comes down and just starts crying. She gets down at his feet to just weeping. You could see her just kneeling down. Tears flowing. Then she sees the tears starting to 
rain on upon his feet and she takes her hair and washes it. She begins to kiss it. And then she takes this alabaster box, this box full of ointment, and she breaks it and pours the ointment upon his feet. And they're watching. The air is now filled with fragrance, but the air is also filled with hostility. What in the world is this? We see the introduction of two people. Now let's see the tale of two people. The tale of two people. Notice with me in verse 39. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. Now this is not out loud. This is within him. He's watching this saying, if this man, this Jesus, if he were prophet, if he was really who he said he was, he would know who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. For he's a sinner. Now the Pharisees believed that they were righteous. And that they were clean. And that they have taken those Jewish laws and have taken them to the extreme to the idea that we are so righteous and so close to God that if a sinner but touches us, we're going to be defiled and we have to go through a big ceremony. And so if they had went to the street and this lady had brushed up against them because they weren't paying attention, they would actually have to go through the ceremonial wash. Oh no, I'm unclean. This woman has touched me. I'm defiled. Oh no. You know how horrible that would be to have someone in our world that we touch into them and we make this big deal. Oh no, they touched me. I'm defiled. You imagine how that would be. Make them feel awful. And so he's looking at this woman touching Jesus' feet. In his mind, he's sitting there. Jesus is now, this man, if he was truly close to God, he would realize that he's being defiled now. He'd realize that all of our sinfulness is now spreading to him. He's being unclean now because he's allowing this woman to touch her. She's giving him her cooties. She's giving him her whatever else. I just, this uncleanness in his mind, he is criticizing Jesus. In his mind, he says, aha, he's not who he said he was because if he was truly righteous, he would have told this woman, never touch me again. He says, I know who you are. Never touch me. That Pharisee. Well, Jesus knew what he was thinking. Even though the Pharisee didn't say anything out loud, Jesus knew his thoughts. Notice Jesus' response to him. In verse number 40, Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say against thee. And he said, Master, saith on. So as this woman's washing the feet, Simon is looking down at Jesus and saying, Ha, he's not righteous. I proved him. I got him. Jesus now gets up and says, or in the conversation says, Listen, I've got someone against thee. I've got a problem with you, Simon. Now, notice Simon, or Jesus is not going to attack Simon because of Simon's sin. What he is going to do is bring up the obvious bad manners that Simon has shown against Jesus. What is this? Notice with me in verse number 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. Now this word pence is, carries the idea of penny, but it's not like our penny. It deals with the idea one penny in the ancient world was one day's wage. So here is one guy who owes 500 hundred days wage and another who owes 50 pence or 50 days wage. Now what made them equal is that both of them equally could not pay it. Doesn't matter how many zeros you put underneath it. If you can't pay it, it's equally as bad. You just can't pay it. They're both 
a debt that you cannot pay. So notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 42. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly, this means freely, honestly, he honestly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose, I like that answer. Well, I guess if I have to answer, I suppose... It's he who forgave the most. And Jesus said unto him, Thou was rightfully judged, you rightfully discerned. So here's a tale of two people. One person owed a lot, the other person owed some. The creditor, who was the creditor of both of them, forgave them equally. I forgave you a 500, I forgave you a 50. Both of them forgiven, both of their debt is clean. When Jesus said, which one is going to love him the most? Which one's going to be the most thankful? Which one's going to be responded? Well, Simon says, well, I guess the one who's been forgiven the most. That'd be the one who'd be the most thankful. That's the person who's going to respond better. That's the person who's going to be thankful and show his appreciation because he was forgiven of a lot. And when Jesus Christ is giving this, he's trying to give a discernment. The Pharisees... Imagine themselves, I'm super religious. I'm as close to God as I can be. I'm just, I'm almost there. I just have just a little bit of sin. Whereas this woman here says, listen, I know that I messed up. I know my life isn't where it should be. I know that I failed the Lord. I know that I just, it, it, my life, there's nothing I could do of myself to make myself better. And Jesus is willing to offer forgiveness for both of them. Wipe both of their slates clean. Problem with the Pharisees is that they didn't think they that bad. We know that before anyone gets saved, they have to realize that they're a sinner. Before someone gets saved, they have to realize they owe God a debt for the wages of sin is death. Before someone could get saved, they have to realize that they deserve to go to hell. Until someone realizes that debt, there's nothing to save them from. Let me tell you, I try to live my life perfectly. I don't need to be saved. I'm good enough as I am. Well, then there's nothing to save you for if you think that you're fine. If you don't think that you're a sinner. If you don't think you owe God a debt. There's nothing to save you from. Here, he definitely had sins, but he didn't think he was that bad. He didn't think he owed God a price. Sure, I have some religious fallings, but God can wipe that clean if I do this and this and this. He figured he could take care of it his own. Here's a woman who says, this is, I'm so far away from God. I failed so much. There's nothing I could do of my own. I need God's forgiveness and there's nothing I could do. And when God offered that forgiveness, she was thankful because she realized how much she was forgiven of. And so Jesus tells this story to Simon, trying to bring his attention to him. Now, <laughs> little did he know the Lord was trying to expose him. Simon didn't say anything, but Jesus knew his thoughts. The Lord told this story. Both of them were equally forgiven. And, and as Simon pointed out, the one that was forgiven the most was the one who was going to be the most thankful. Which now brings us to the exposure of two people. We had the introduction of two people, then we had a tale of two people. Now we have the exposure of two people. Notice what Jesus now tells him in verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon. Now, notice this. 
Jesus now looks at the woman and for the rest of this story, he's talking to Simon over his shoulder, but he's looking at the woman. Notice what he says. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, seest thou this woman? Three times Jesus uses, this, uses the phrase, this woman. This woman. Jesus is looking at this woman. And he's speaking over to Simon. Simon had seen nothing but this woman since he had come in. Do you see this woman? How can I not? She smelled up the house. She's ruined this whole party. She's in here making a fool of herself. How can I not see her? Well, Jesus then brings up Simon's bad manners as he's looking to the woman. And he said, you see this woman? Verse 44. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water to wash my feet. Now, in the old custom, because they traveled around everywhere on foot, and they didn't have nice paved roads and sidewalks, that dust would get on the feet of the traveler. And it was a custom of the day that when someone would come in, especially an honored guest, that the first thing you would do is have a servant or someone come and wash the feet. Because he did not, care a lot about Jesus. He didn't serve Jesus and didn't even do the basic custom of washing his feet before he came in the house. He disrespected the Lord on purpose. But the woman, notice what he said about this woman. Seest thou this woman, I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. So Simon, you thought so little of me, you wouldn't even wash my feet, which is a basic custom, a basic appreciation, a basic sign of respect. You disrespected me. But this woman... Not only did she wash my feet, she washed it with her tears. She dried it with her hair. Why? Because she respects me, because she wants to honor me, because she's thankful of what I've forgiven her from. She recognizes who I am and it's no big deal. She's showing me honor and respect when you showed me disrespect. Notice he says, I have someone against thee. He says, I've got a problem with you because you had bad manners. He's not talking about all of his sins, even though Jesus could have. He's doing a very obvious, you disrespected me. She honored me. Notice it goes on in verse 45. Thou givest me no kiss. Now again, ancient world, we don't do this in America in our Western culture. But in those days, whenever you would greet someone who was an honored guest, there would be a kiss on the cheek. And it would be a sign of respect, a sign of honor. But to the pharisaical Simon, I'm not touching him. I'm bringing him in here to expose what a sinner he is. I'm bringing him in to expose that he's not who he is. I'm not kissing. My lips are not touching some garbage. He disrespected Jesus. Didn't even give him a basic greeting of hello. He disrespected him with by not washing his feet. Now, did Jesus notice this when he came in? Yes. But Jesus didn't say anything. When Simon came in, oh, come in. Didn't even give him a proper greeting that was customary at the time. Jesus said, thou givest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has ceased not to kiss my feet. You disrespected me. She's willing to kiss my feet. You wouldn't kiss my cheek because, oh no, he's, he's awful. He's sinner. I don't want him. She's kissing my feet because she's thankful. Because she's so thankful for what God has done for her that it's no big deal. It's not a humbling. It's not a burden to kiss my feet because 
She loves her Lord. Notice as it goes on, he brings up the third thing. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. Now remember, this is a desert climate and they don't have air conditioning. So how did you stay cool? Well, normally what would happen is that they would have a little um, uh, container, a little, basically a wax thing of oil and it, they would put it on someone's head and the heat would cause the oil to melt down. And as the oil would melt down, it would cool you off, kind of like sweating, it, just lubrication. It would be, just make you cooler. Well, here, Simon showed disrespect. He didn't even give the pleasancies. You know, it basically, if you invited someone to your house and you refused to turn on the heater or air conditioner on for them just because it's them. I'm not going to waste the electric bill on them. I'm not going to waste my money on giving him this thing of oil on him. I'm trying to expose him. I'm trying to show he's a fraud. I'm not going to spend extra money to put on him. But here's this lady who took this money. She had saved for it. She went and purposely bought something of great value and of great price. And she put it on Jesus' feet. And she did not consider it a waste. It was not a waste to give it to the Lord. It was not a waste to honor it with the Lord because of who he was. <laughs> Simon had been saying, this man, this man, this man. Remember what he had said before in himself? This man, if he were a prophet. All he could see was Jesus' problem. He's trying to find something wrong with Jesus. When Jesus is looking, this woman, this woman. This woman. Simon's looking at this man trying to find all the problems with him. Jesus looks at this woman who says, this Christ is all that I need. This Christ has done so much for him. Which now brings us a declaration for one person. A declaration for one person. Notice with me in verse number 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins. So he's talking to Simon and he says, as I'm talking to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Now he didn't say that she was a small sinner. He said her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is that, this, that forgiveth sins also? And he saith to the woman, Thy faith have saved thee. Go in peace. Because her sins forgiven, she was grateful. She served God because of the forgiveness that God had offered her. Not in order to get forgiveness. Now this is big. She's serving God. She's not trying to say, Lord, I want you to save me. And so I, because I want you to save me, here's some oil. Because I want you to save me, I'm going to cry. Because I want you to save me, I'm going to make this big ado. I'm going to do this big service. No, 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 no. Because she was forgiven, she did these things. That forgiveness came first. She's not serving God in order to get something from him. She's serving and worshiping and honoring God because of what he has already done. This is the difference. Religion says I need to do something in order to be forgiven. I need to do something in order to be righteous. I needed to do something in order to do this. 
Jesus said, you got it backwards. I've already done all these things for you. You should serve me because of what I've already done for you. And then it comes the idea of thankfulness. As we explained this morning in Sunday school, that if you realize what God has done for you and you become thankful, it's not a big deal to obey him. It's not a big deal to honor him. It's nothing at all to obey his commandments. When someone is trying to read their Bible and say, I don't want to read my Bible, it's you who's being unreasonable because God has done so much for you. You know, we need to spend more time at the cross of Calvary looking up to him and realizing that he died for me. My sins put him there. My failures put him there. That's what I deserve and he paid the price for me. It is very hard to stand at the foot of the cross and see the blood that he shed for us and then look up to him and say, you're not worth my time to read my Bible. It's very hard to do that. It's very hard to see him bleeding on the cross for my sins and look up and said, you're not worth my time to worship you. It's very hard to see him at the cross dying for my sins and then look and said, listen, I'm not even going to give you the fruit of my lips. I'm not going to sing to you. You're not worth it. Very hard when you see what he's done for you. So often we live in unreasonable Christianity. Why do we say that? Because of all that he's done for me. How can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely? After all he's done for me. He has done so much for me. Think about he died on the cross. None of us deserve heaven. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one then why is it that we have a hard time serving God? Why is it that we have a hard time being motivated to do the basic things? May I say because it's an absence of being thankful. The very first step in backsliding from God is being unthankful. God has given us so much above and beyond more than we can think and ask. Even living in America, if you own a vehicle, you're on the top 11% of wealth in the world. People around the world would do anything to be homeless in America because the homeless in America eat better than 90% of the rest of the world. We have so much going for us. We have air conditioning. We complain when our air conditioner doesn't work right. We complain over the smallest little things. I was listening to a preacher friend of mine. He said he was asked to go preach in one of the islands of the Caribbean. And for lunch every day, they gave him a bowl of rice and they gave him a couple chunks of chicken meat. Which, you know, the first day that was great. Second day, all right. Third day, he was hoping for something else. And fourth day, and finally the Sunday came back around and he had preached all night. And the preacher stood up and said, listen, I want to thank you so much for your sacrifice of making sure that the preacher had chicken. And he explained that those people only had a chicken in their rice once a week as a special meal. And that each of them have given up their piece of chicken for their, their week allotment of chicken to make sure that the preacher had chicken in his bowl every day. He said, man, I felt like such a heel. I was starting to complain that I was so hungry and that this is all they were giving me. And I was realizing that every day I was taking one of their portion of meat for the week. 
He says, we're just unthankful. We're unappreciative. We don't realize how much Christ has done for us and how much he's blessed us. And the reason why we have such a hard time serving him is because we're not thankful. Let me ask you, dear friend, how much has Christ forgiven you? Can you go back to a time where you realized how lost you truly were? Maybe even as a Christian that you realized what a low-down and awful scoundrel you truly were. How many times you failed God. How many times you've messed up. And God showed you grace and was still willing to forgive you. The answer is that we need to stay at the foot of the cross. Look up and see that all that he's done for me. And then we have no problems obeying. We have no problems worshiping. We have no problems honoring him. When we realize all that he has done for us. You know, so many things would be solved in our life. If we became thankful. And truly thankful. And we'd watch God work. For whom has been forgiven much, love much. Little forgiven, love little and respond. How much has he truly forgiven you? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.